0: Welcome back to Dermatology UK, the podcast, the show where we talk about all things skin. My name is Ashling, And I'm Emmanuel. Today we're going to talk about skin aging, which I'm quite excited about. Mm,
1: definitely because I'm no longer 22, Ashling. I don't know if yeah, you've you, noticed that. No, I have. I have.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so uh, yeah, like you said, today's episode is about skin aging and it's something that is a huge multi-million, billion, trillion dollar industry. Yep. Uh, with everyone wanting to look younger all the time. But, you know, what's the difference between all these products on the counter? What's a retinol, what's a retinoid, what's vitamin C? Mm-hmm. And how does it work on your skin?
0: Exactly. So, I mean, we've, we've been in dermatology for many years now, and it's mm. only really recently that I'm, I suppose, looking more into the aesthetic side to try and figure out what I should put on my own skin. Um, I'm hoping Dr. Somaticus, who we'll introduce in a second, will be able to give us the kind of down low on other treatments that are out there. So, we're talking your facials, your microneedling, you know, you know this, this vampire one. I'm just, I'd definitely ask her about it. if You know, Kardashians. They didn't yeah. Mention it. Yeah. I was yeah.
1: Like, what is this? We don't mention Kardashians in this household. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not that I watch them that often. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, we'll be talking to Dr. How do you pronounce it?
0: Somaticus. Somaticus. Somatic, that's how you pronounce it. Get, it's a P. She, she'll come on now and she'll probably pronounce it differently. Um, but you'll find her on um, Soma Skin, Dr. Soma Skin on Instagram, which is an amazing resource actually. Really
1: good educational stuff about aging. So, do you want to
0: introduce her? Yes, sorry, so Christina Somaticus, so she is a dermatology registrar with a specialist interest in aesthetics. Um, again, at one of the leading dermatology centers here in central London. So she has kindly agreed to come on and spend nearly an hour with us and hopefully answer all of your questions um, at home. Great, let's get on with the episode. Yeah, perfect. So let's kick off the episode with the one question we all secretly want to know, the elixir of youth. Does it exist?
2: (laughs) Um, Probably if there was one elixir of youth, this is gonna be an unexciting uh, answer for those people who like cosmetic products, but it's probably SPF sunscreen. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is because the number one cause of aging is UV damage to the skin. So classically, when we're talking about skin aging, it's divided into two things. Intrinsic aging, which is what would happen just through the process of time to everyone, even if you're living in a shadowy basement. And it's the type of aging that you see when you look at parts of your skin that aren't exposed to the sun. So the underarm area or, you know, your buttock area. Mm. So those kind of get some light wrinkling, but they stay uniform color and they're not deeply wrinkled. And then there are causes of external aging, so things that our skin is exposed to that then causes an aged appearance in the skin. And the number one thing that causes external aging is sun, but it's not the only thing. So, uh, but the majority of aging, they think, they say up to 80 or 90% is due to the sun. So that's why protecting your skin from the sun is the number one youth elixir.
1: Wow. And then... Does that even apply if you're sitting inside? So you're like, I don't know, an IT developer or I'm sure you'll agree doctors or nurses where we're sitting inside a hospital 24 hours a day. Do we still need to put sun cream on?
2: That is a good question. So, I mean, even if you're inside most of the day, it kind of depends where you're living, what your skin type is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I like to offer practical advice. In an ideal world, everyone would wear SPF as part of their daily routine. Because the truth is, you are commuting outside, you might be working by a window and certain UV rays can enter through windows and still impact your skin and cause Mm -hmm. aging. So even if you're not getting a sunburn, that's not a clue. We're talking about background chronic sun exposure that's causing the aging, not single sunburns. So it's accumulated over time. So the more you can do to reduce that level of accumulation with sunscreen, the better. But, you know, you have to be practical in terms of your life and what you can do. But ideally, even if you're indoors, if you're doing, if you're commuting to work outside, which you probably are, then sunscreen is a good idea.
1: So what actually happens to your skin that makes it look old? So, you know, what are fine lines? What happens to your skin that, you know, you can look at someone's face and say, you're in your 40s, as opposed (laughs) to look at someone and saying, you're clearly 20 something.
2: Yeah, so... There are sort of two processes when we talk about what makes someone look old or older, the processes that happen when you get aged. The number one thing that we commonly talked about is what happens to your actual skin. And that is things like changes in pigmentation and color. You get uh, wrinkles that are either deep kind of wrinkles or little fine wrinkles in areas of expression. You get uh, telangiectasias, which are little broken blood vessels. So all those things contribute to your skin looking older. But that is not the only thing that makes you look old in your face. So uh, cosmetic products tend to target what happens to your skin, but really an aged appearance also depends on other things that happen below the surface of the skin. So uh, I know it's not totally pleasant to think about, but as you get older, your bones shrink, you know, people get shorter, they get more curved. Well, that also happens to your skull. So as your skull shrinks, that changes the shape of your face and the way your skin hangs off of it. And that can create uh, other types of wrinkles that happen. And the other thing, so beneath your skin, you have uh, fat and ligaments and muscles, and then you have skull. And all those things age and contribute to an aged appearance. So your skull shrinks in certain areas, Uh, your face is divided into areas that are called fat pads and those fat pads atrophy so they thin out over time and they migrate so they move to different areas. So that's why you'll see like people getting eye bags that are, you know, larger and droopier and saggier or you'll see people's, you know, cheeks drop lower and they lose that volume. So when you're talking about things like volume loss, it's more a migration of fat pads and uh, shrinking of the skull And then we were talking about texture surfaces, that's more skin things. So to fix the things below the skin, we're talking more about uh, interventions, more intense cosmetic interventions like filler or plastic surgery. Whereas if you're talking about surface skin changes, you're talking about cosmetic products or things like lasers or chemical peels that affect the the surface of the skin. And
1: what about things like collagen because you hear collagen a lot and i know that some creams put that as a product and say that can mm. help make you look youthful what happens to things like collagen that is in your skin
2: yeah so talking about the processes that lead to the actual skin getting older which is uh, one of the things that you asked me about so mm-hmm. when for example the uv rays come and hit your skin then you get a cascade of events that lead to degradation of collagen and elastin, which are the kind of scaffolding that give our skin some kind of bounce and firmness. Um, So really what you get is, I don't know if you've heard the term floating around a lot, but you get free radicals generated. So uh, UV rays cause changes in your DNA that cause uh, electrons to become unstable and generate something called free radicals. And that those free radicals can go and wreak havoc in your skin. And your skin has and your body has antioxidants, which are things to help prevent damage from free radicals. But over time, your resources of free radicals run, uh, uh, your resources of antioxidants run out and are overwhelmed by the amount of free radicals there. So you continue to get damage to your your skin and uh, degradation of the the collagen and elastin that's in there. So it starts to break down and also as time goes by you produce less collagen and elastin so you can't make up for the supply that you're losing Mm.
1: a real double whammy then
2: yeah i know (laughs) exactly unfortunately (laughs) but uh there's no evidence that collagen in creams can restore collagen that you're losing so that is a bit of a marketing sham
0: yeah so sorry on, on that point as well like you you hear often about collagen drinks as well is that all nonsense
2: Well, that's an interesting question, actually, because on my Instagram account recently, we did a huge, uh, we examined all the evidence of those collagen drinks because there've been a few studies recently. And some of the studies show that those collagen drinks aren't usually actual collagen. It's kind of a pre-collagen that you drink. So you drink this pre-collagen and the idea is that it gets into your bloodstream and starts to help encourage and transform into actual collagen Um, and the studies that exist so far are very small and they're not done in a perfect way Mm -hmm. so I wouldn't call it proof that they work but some of the studies show that there was a little bit of evidence that they might help a little bit the trouble is that they're really expensive and I just don't know if it's worth it to invest in it when there's not like lots of evidence that they work so I'd probably go for something else first before I went for that.
1: Definitely evidence-based medicine is what we are taught at nursing and, you know, medical school. Uh, you yeah. talked about free radicals. Is there any evidence for something you can put on your skin that helps prevent free radicals or like mops them up to stop the damage?
2: Yeah, so, uh, so you can put antioxidants on your skin. And one of the most common antioxidants that we use in the skin uh, are vitamin C serums. So you might have seen, so vitamin C is an antioxidant and you can put that in your skin and there is evidence that vitamin C helps uh, with that exact thing. So it helps you stop up and increase your supplies of antioxidants to help fight those free radicals and it can help uh, prevent that. So vitamin C is a great uh, serum that has a lot of evidence that you can use it. It comes in different formulations, some are creams, some are, but serums are usually the best when it comes to vitamin C
0: and is there a specific percentage that's more effective than another what what should we be looking at for on the label
2: So vitamin C is a really tricky one it's qu- it's the diva of skincare because <laughs> it very quickly goes off it very quickly destabilizes and doesn't work and there are various forms of vitamin C that aren't really effective that's why it doesn't really lend itself to creams because when it's put in creams very quickly it becomes Something else that doesn't really work the way it's supposed to. So, the best thing to do, the most research is for a form of vitamin C that is labeled as L ascorbic acid. And usually the evidence is for above 10% L ascorbic acid. So, um, you'll see oftentimes in serums, it's combined with vitamin E because mm-hmm. vitamin E helps stabilize it and preserve it for longer as an active ingredient. And sometimes they also add ferulic acid, which is another thing that just helps it in terms of have a longer shelf life. Um, and you'll see if your vitamin C starts to go bad, it usually changes color from clear. It tends to go more brown if you have this l acid version of vitamin C. So for anyone looking to buy a vitamin C, I'd say check your packaging to see what type of vitamin C it is. And uh, if it is the type that's labeled as l acid, Then just realize that when you open it, you've got about three months to use it. So if you're not going to be using it regularly, you might not want to buy a really expensive one and keep it in a shadow place, a a place with a lot of shadow because sunlight and heat help it expire faster.
0: Yeah, I heard it's good to keep it in the fridge. Yeah, so the
2: fridge is kind of uh, a way that you can avoid it being in heat and in light because the fridge is usually dark other than when you open the door yeah. and the light goes on. So it's dark yeah. and it's cold. So you're kind of optimizing for the environment that will keep it last as long as possible. Yeah. So, yeah,
1: in the fridge is a good tip. Definitely. Is, I was thinking as well, The things that bathrooms is people get in and out the shower. It goes hot. It goes cold. So the fluctuation must mm. definitely uh, not be good for the vitamin C. Uh, yeah, definitely. Can I ask you about dryness and ageing? Because a lot of people complain of dry, drier skin as they get older. Why is that? What causes that to happen? So
2: that is definitely something that happens. And it's as you get older, this goes for basically everything everything undergoes cellular senescence, which means your cells become more sluggish. It's like an old car. Like it can't go as far distances. It's not as smooth of a ride. You may have some hiccups along the way. And the same thing happens with your skin and your skin cells and skin components. They're just not producing everything that should, that they should be doing in order to provide you with, you know, healthy, moisturized skin. So That includes things like hyaluronic acid, things like ceramides, things like fatty acids, all these things that help give your skin kind of a plump and moisturized appearance and feel. Those things, we stop producing them as well and as much and as often as we get older. So uh, that is part of why people get dry skin. Then the other thing is... uh, uv chronic uv sun damage also leads to dry skin over time because your skin just isn't regenerating itself Mm. as well as it should be and then other times people are on medications that can be drying so a whole host of factors can contribute to your skin just becoming drier and drier so keeping up with moisturizing is becomes increasingly important as you get older
1: i suppose as you get older as well thicker ones might be better so your skincare might need to change as you get older do you think that's right
2: Oh, absolutely. I think your skincare should be consistent in terms of you should be using skincare on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. but I think it needs to be tweaked not only with age, but also with seasons and also with any kind of conditions or issues that crop up. So a lot of people find something that works with them and then they just stick with that the whole time. When really every so often you should be checking in with your skin and doing some tweaks to see what you can do to optimize anything that's cropped up. Cause your skin is not always the same, right? Even it fluctuates for me personally, you know, from week to week, sometimes I'll be like, Oh, I now have this little dry patch here, or I now have a bit of pigmentation here. So you just have to do like micro adjustments. There's some, some skincare ingredients that are like skincare heroes that you always want to keep in there, but then you can adjust some smaller things in your routine according to what your needs are.
1: So, is that things like niacinamide, vitamin C, retinols?
2: Yeah, so I'd say so if your goal is uh, kind of preserving youthful skin, then the optimal routine should be, uh, in terms of evidence base, a vitamin C in the morning, followed by a moisturizer, followed by sunscreen. Mm-hmm. And then in the evening, you should be using something from the retinol family Mm -hmm.
0: so if they say isn't it that if you use a product you need to use it for 12 weeks really to see a difference but with things like vitamin c and and retinoid um Mm -hmm. do you actually see a difference or is it purely just that you're prolonging the process of skin aging or or should you expect to see results
2: That's a really good question. So evidence for vitamin C is a preventative. So it doesn't really correct anything you already have, although it can help with skin brightness and pigmentation. But in terms of wrinkling, I think that damage is done, right? It's there to fight whatever free radicals are there now, not free radicals that already created a problem and created wrinkles. So it's kind of going forward helping you. In terms of the only skincare ingredient that has evidence to work on damage that's already been done uh, is the retinol family. So specifically, tretinoin has the most evidence, although other members of the retinol family have evidence. So there is evidence that using tretinoin consistently at least three times a week over time, three months to six months, uh, will reverse some signs of... Uh, you know, photo damage, such as fine wrinkles, pigmentation, things like that.
1: Tretinoin, isn't that prescription only in the UK, though? It is. It's prescription only. So uh,
2: as you guys probably know, so the retinoid family, sometimes it can get confusing because people use the word retinol and all the different retinoids (laughs) interchangeably. So it's really confusing. But basically, there's a category called the retinoids. And in it, you have uh, the retinal esters, you have retinol with an O, retinal with an A, and tretinoin, and then some other ones too. Um, and tretinoin is prescription only in the UK, and then uh, before that, you have the retinals, and probably each each category along the steps that you go becomes more and more potent and more effective. So if you can't get your hands on tretinoin, then you want to go one step down, which is uh, retinal, or retinaldehyde is the full name. And you can get that over the counter. But if that's too strong, if you have really sensitive skin, then you can go one step before, which is the retinols. Um, and before that is the retinal esters, and those don't really work. So don't bother with those.
1: <laughs> Bro, and can yeah. I ask you a question about diet? Uh, yeah. Does can a diet help with aging skin? Um, yes,
2: so there is evidence that a healthy diet rich with antioxidant foods, so things that we get in like vegetables, you know, what you would normally consider like a healthy diet, um, that those things are helpful and beneficial to your skin. And then there's evidence that foods that are really high in sugar, uh, can, uh, be bad for your skin. So they deposit these, uh, Gly- these glycosylated end products is what they're called in your skin that degrade collagen and elastin so as with most things in life a healthy diet is recommended <laughs>
1: unfortunately <laughs> but the thing is with the sugars as well i don't know if you would agree but there's also more hidden sugars as well so it's not just so much as you know try to cut out cakes and things but white carbohydrates also have loads of sugar in them so you need to be That's careful and keep an eye on how many you eat
2: exactly what you're looking for is foods that have a high glycemic index so Mm -hmm. that you can sort of google glycemic index of whatever it is food you're worried about and then you can see if it's a high glycemic index and then those are the types of things that uh, are not great for your skin
0: so for those of us who don't always eat the right foods um supplements can seem like an easy win and there's also a huge market these days uh, for supplements claiming you know that they're essential for healthy skin, hair and nails. What is your take on this? Do you see a role for supplements in the context of skin aging?
2: I haven't seen much evidence that they work and really the best way is to just eat. Get whatever whatever a supplement is offering you, the best way to do it is get it through your diet. So the truth is, if you're not having time to eat those foods, You're still eating something so you must be eating something that's not those foods which means you're eating bad stuff for you so i don't know if them putting a supplement will balance out whatever it is that you're actually eating i doubt it so i think you really if you're not getting your if you're not eating properly just sneaking in the supplements on top of a poor diet is not really (laughs) going to cancel it out i'm afraid
1: and while we're on this kind of lifestyle section uh, Mm -hmm. what about exercise can exercise help aging skin
2: um, well, that is a, a bit of a double-edged sword because I don't want anyone to not exercise. Yeah. Um, what, what can affect skin is rapid changes in your weight. So if you lose tons of weight really, really fast, then uh, that can give you more kind of a sunken appearance and create loose skin that then, you know, looks more aged because it's sagging more. Um... Also, a lot of people who exercise a lot tend to do it outdoors and not necessarily wear enough sun protection. So indirectly, sometimes you'll see people who run a lot that they don't have the best skin. And that is often because of lots of chronic sun exposure. So I don't want to discourage exercise because surely having exercise in your life is more important than having youthful skin. But Mm. it's just be conscious if you are doing a lot of outdoor exercise, try and remember. I've seen uh, sunscreen come in little packs the same way those like energy packs come in runners. So you can just put it in your like running bag. So if you're doing yeah. like a long run every so often, or if you're sweating a lot and it's coming off, you can just use those little sunscreen packs to reapply. Right. So it's just, you know, little tips that you can consider might help you if that's one of your priorities is to have youthful skin. But, you know, keeping fit is, I think, more important to your overall health.
1: Definitely. I'd like to talk as well about the role that race and ethnicity plays in aging, because there's kind Mm -hmm. of this, uh, there's a belief that, you know, more darker skin tones tend to age differently from more paler skin types. Is there any truth to that? And if there is, why is that? What's the science behind it?
2: So there is some truth to that. Uh, there's also some truth to, uh, men aging better than women. Um, Mm -hmm. I know, which is unfair, it seems. Stop it, I'm but blushing. Men tend to have, you know, thicker skin than women. And yeah. their degree of collagen breakdown happens about 10 years. They're like 10 years behind us. Mm. So they, you know, could look 10 years younger. But the truth is, they usually don't have as good skincare habits. So mm-hmm. sometimes, yes. even though, you gotcha. know, genetically, they could be programmed to look younger for longer, they have also higher rates of smoking, higher rates of having jobs where they're exposed exposed to like pollutants, which are other things that cause your skin to age. And they don't look after their skin as a whole as much, obviously there are exceptions. So they end up looking sometimes older than women. But yeah, structurally, genetically, they do have things in their skin. And in terms of ethnicity, so, you know, the darker your skin tone, you have some inbuilt protection towards UV sun damage. That's not to say that if you have darker skin tones, you shouldn't be wearing sunscreen. You should still be. But, you know, they say having a a darker skin tone, depending on, you know, how dark it is along the scale, but can be the equivalent of having an SPF, you know, 12 or 14 on every day. So that is some kind of inbuilt
1: protection. And also, is there a difference in thickness of skin in different ethnicities or is that a complete myth?
2: No, there can be, there can be. Of course, there's just so much variation. Yeah. So, you know, there's such a gradient of uh, race, as you know, to a certain extent is a socially constructed concept. So where we draw mm. the line between where one race ends and one begins, there's obviously a lot of blurred lines in between that variation. But yes, mm. as you go down the spectrum or across the spectrum of darker skin, you can get thicker skin as well overall. And so that can be protective too.
1: So we talked about a little bit earlier the signs of ageing, including hypo-hyperpigmentation changes. Uh, But if I could just focus on fine lines and wrinkles, because obviously Mm -hmm. uh, Botox or anti-wrinkle injections are very popular. How do they work? Yeah, so uh, things like uh, Botox,
2: which like you say, anti-wrinkle injections, the way they work is they work on the neuromuscular junction, which is how we send signals of movement through our nerves to create, you know, expressions in our face. And what they do is they temporarily block that area so that the nerve signal can't go through. That's why sometimes you'll hear people use the word like the nerve is paralyzed. It's only temporarily, you know, frozen or paralyzed, whatever word you want to use use, so that you can't make the types of expressions that would produce the wrinkles of expression. So there, The Botox injections or the neuromodulator injections, which they're called, uh, are, is effective for areas where you make movements in your face, so dynamic wrinkles where you make expressions. So most usually that will be the forehead, the horizontal forehead lines. The vertical lines that uh, are on the insides of your eyebrows and then the crow's feet, which are uh, on the side, the corners of your eyes, those are the most popular areas to get injections like that to help relax your muscles so that when you're making expressions, you won't make wrinkles.
0: I see. So other, other treatments that are available that we hear of commonly is microneedling. Can you mm-hmm. talk to us about that treatment and what it actually does?
2: Yeah, so microneedling is a type of what we call collagen induction therapy. So, what that means is we create a micro injury to the skin that then kind of wakes up the skin to try and heal itself by generating collagen. And uh, the way microneedling works is you have a device that has really small needles in it that can either be a derma pen or a derma roller. A lot of kind of home devices are this roll a roller that you roll across your skin with these little needles. I definitely don't recommend home no. devices yeah. because they're unlikely to work and you're more likely to give yourself an infection or give mm. yourself uh, hyperpigmentation or cause problems. Um, oh. So usually when you go to a clinic, what they'll use is a derma pen, which is a little bit more, you have more control because you adjust the setting of how deep you want it to go. And it Usually the recommendation is you put a numbing cream on the patient's face so that they don't feel anything. Otherwise it would be painful. And then these little needles, microscopic needles, go through your skin, create little punctures and really for it to be effective, we say it should be to the point of bleeding so that you'll see tiny microscopic dots of blood throughout your skin. And that means that it's reached deeper layers. And then after that you have a few days of recovering and then All this collagen is being stimulated to help heal you. And there uh, are studies that show that it does work.
0: But it's not a once-off treatment, is it? I think you have to do a good course to actually see a difference, right?
2: Yeah, so people will do courses and then they'll also do it. I mean, those kind of questions are hard, right? Because you will see some it's not like just doing it once is totally pointless. A lot of people will get good results of, from one treatment, but then it's a matter of how often do you want to do it and how much of a result you want to get. So sometimes they'll do it, you know, twice a year. Sometimes they'll do it every year just as a top up, but I guess doing it once is maybe better than doing it never, depending on how you feel about it and how much money you have yeah. disposable, but it definitely can help. And it, it, there are results, the evidence and trials that show that it works. Uh, to a degree. So it's not a total sham, but I would definitely recommend that if you are doing this treatment, you go to a doctor because a doctor should be able to assess your skin really well and identify if there are any problems. And if you're prone to get any of the complications, which are, you know, infection, I've read reports and I've heard patients talk about getting these kind of treatments in places that aren't reputable and people aren't trained and then you know bad things happen like you could have a cold sore and then spread the cold sore all around your face where you've made all these tiny holes that, and have yeah. a big problem right or yeah. you could pick someone who has the wrong skin tone and then end up causing a lot of pigmentation issues because you've gone too deep so you need to, someone who's really trained to do it
0: and are there any other anti-aging products in the market that are interesting and also facials in particular the PRP or vampire facial I'd love to know your thoughts on that Uh, In terms of anti-aging
2: ingredient, another anti-aging ingredient that we haven't really touched on yet are the peptides. So peptides are kind of newest technology and can be really confusing for the consumer because they do a variety of different things. So some peptides stimulate collagen, some peptides are uh, anti-inflammatory, some are antioxidant, and some uh, are against pigmentation. And also peptides can have different roles. So some of them are carrier peptides, so they can carry uh, the actual active ingredient into deeper layers. And some of them are signal peptides. So they'll, they'll send a signal or a message somewhere. So they're really interesting in terms of the different roles that peptides have and what they can do. Um, but there is promising evidence that they can be beneficial. One thing that is not so beneficial are anything that say stem cells on them. So that seems to be a bit of a marketing racket. But there's no evidence that I could find that stem cells can be put into a cosmetics formula and be effective in generating any kind of effect in your skin. And I think a lot of people see it and think it's really scientific, like, ooh, latest technology, Mm -hmm. stem cells. Um, But it's kind of a
1: whole bunch of nothing. It's important to note with the stem cells that human stem cells are completely illegal in products in the EU. So the ones they're using are plant-based Which, in case you're not aware, a plant is very different from a human and we don't (laughs) tend to mix well.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly right. So, uh, stem cells are just kind of a a bit of a marketing ploy. So, I wouldn't waste any money on those because also those tend to be really expensive. And I think Mm. that's because people know or marketers know that. It sounds scientific. You think something happened in a lab to provide you these stem cells, uh, but I wouldn't waste money on those. Um, And facials is another thing that you just asked me about. And uh, facials, there are different types of facials, right? So there's Mm -hmm. a full spectrum of what types of facials you can get. And some of them involve uh, exfoliation, which can be helpful, but then there are different degrees of exfoliation, different percentages of how strong the acid is that they're putting on and how long it's on your face. And there's some facials that are just purely like relaxation facials and those are great, but they're not going to give you any kind of result beyond a day. You know, it's just there to give you like a nice plumping, increase the blood flow, you know, make you feel good. And those have value too, right? I love getting a facial, even if I know that it's not going to lead to any kind of long-term benefit other than kind of self-care. Uh, which is not to be undervalued. But then there are other facials that are kind of more medical grade intense that can do things. And uh, you talked about the vampire facial, which is uh, kind of scary looking, right? It because they terrifying. tend to take your own blood out and then uh, process it in a certain way. And then they get this platelet-rich plasma that they then put uh, over your face that I think has usually been microneedled, Um And yeah, I've heard people get good results from that. The thing with a lot of skincare is their skincare is not regulated the way medications and drugs are. So the, the burden of proof is much lower. They're not the type of clinical trials for skincare as you would expect for medicines. So if you're coming at it from a doctor or a nurse or healthcare expert, who's worked with drugs and clinical trials and evidence-based, then you'll see that the evidence base for a lot of skincare is not really there to the same standard, for sure. So you, there's a bit of element of, hopefully it works, or there's some studies that show it works, but you're never going to find the body of evidence that you do for, for actual medication. So there we go. A hope and a prayer and some SPF.
1: <laughs> that is a beautiful take home message. <laughs> Subject we haven't touched on yet that's really mm-hmm. hand in hand with ageing is ethics i think Mm -hmm. if we could talk about that just because you know we we're fed by the media constantly about looking young looking young Mm -hmm. and it's almost a fear about looking old what are your views on all of that
2: so there's been a big movement in the cosmetic industry to kind of avoid using the term anti-aging for creams Mm. because you know Anti-aging implies that aging is a bad thing, and we're like anti against it. Yeah. When really, getting old is a great thing. It means you haven't died. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like Definitely. pro-aging, amazing. We're still here. Yeah. Anti-aging, the opposite of aging, is dying. Yeah. So, people have tried to reformulate the language to express what these creams and treatments are meant to do, and it's not meant to anti-age you, but it's maybe I've heard alternative suggestions that is like a pro youth cream. So like a distinction that might not mean a lot to a lot of people, but the truth is it does have a deeper kind of cultural significance that we're not here to say aging is bad. We're just here to say, you know, why don't we maintain your skin as opposed to, you know, describe it as anti-aging. So that's one thing, Uh, but definitely media and, dermatologists and uh, people in cosmetics and influencers all have a role to play to sort of make sure that the message is not that getting old is bad or that, you know, you should be wrapped up and invest a bunch of happiness just in your appearance. But, you know, there is also a lot of research that shows people do get discriminated against in the workplace Mm -hmm. or in societies when they look old or older. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't blame people for wanting to take measures to look younger for longer And the truth is we're living longer and longer. So, you know, our generation is predicted to live till 110 or 120. I mean, no one wants to look 120.
1: Well, unless, of course, your name is Vera Wang, where you look incredible <laughs> oh at gosh, 70. Yeah, I've seen those photos. It's it sad. Such... I don't know how she does it. I don't know. But the thing is, I think what that highlights is you do have that that image of Vera Wang that looks incredible, but shoved down everyone's throat. I think that just highlights how good genetics are when it comes to ageing. And a huge part of how you age is down to your genetics. So I know I'm not going to look like that. I love my mum and dad, but they do not look like that. I fully intend when I'm 70 to be out in the street screaming about my cats. And I'm absolutely happy with that. (laughs) I'll be there
2: screaming about my cats too. Um, Yeah, genetics obviously have a role, but they've also done twin studies to see what role the external environment has. Mm. And without a doubt, you know, when they've done twin studies, you can see things like exposure to sun, smoking, yeah. And living in areas with high pollution all contribute to looking old. And actually, some of the twin studies are really telling, you know, they look decades apart, even though genetically they're the same. So there is definitely also a lot to say about the external environment. But, yeah, yeah I, I'm sure Vera Wang has all the secrets, both environmental and genetic. <laughs> when born and great, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
1: Just literally, just as we've, we're actually filming this, the uh, British Journal of Dermatology have really recently published the, the impact of airborne pollution on atopic dermatitis. And they've actually mm. looked into the skin stuff. And it's actually a really interesting read because it talks about pollution in particular and how it actually increases bacteria like Staphylococcus aureus because it messes with the skin's natural pH. So I think it's a really hot topic at the moment.
2: There's a very uh, well known study that I know that basically they looked at emergency admissions for skin related conditions and then uh, looked at the pollution factor that was released and then they saw the admissions or A&E visits were much higher for skin conditions when there was a high pollution index in the environment. Wow. uh, Including for things like eczema. So that is one of the studies that I'm definitely familiar with that showed how much of an impact uh, pollution has on the skin.
1: Definitely. And just when you're saying that, I'm kind of reflecting on the patients I see as well. And you know, you kind of get people that go away on holidays and come back and say, my skin's so much better now. But I think actually that's, that's more multifactorial. So it's that when you're on holiday, you're nice and relaxed. But also, talk, I think pollution may actually play a role in it. You know, if you're going to a nice beach somewhere, as opposed to Zone 2 in London, which isn't the nicest mm. air quality-wise, I'm sure it must play some form of uh, part in your skin health. Definitely.
2: And also, you know, short-term, if those holidays are sunny, we do know that short-term exposure to sun has some benefits too. Mm. So we often use you know, the principles of sun therapy in dermatology. So we send patients for phototherapy. um, So we know that uh, the sun also has some anti-inflammatory and immune modulating uh, kind of effects, but those always have to be weighed up against the long-term effects of sun exposure and sun exposure. That's not really measured or protected the way we, we do when we do it in a dermatology context where we know exactly what dose and what time you're getting that dose so you know the sun is not all bad we definitely know that it has some benefits as well so that might be helping helping on the holidays too yeah
0: (laughs) sleeping more as well yeah yeah that's true that's another thing so i think we're coming to the end now thank you quick recap we have covered what's actually happening to our skin as we age we've talked about influencing factors and Highlighted that skincare and skin health doesn't need to be expensive. I have a final question on the cosmetic industry. So, with the goal of maintaining healthy skin in the context of skin aging, should we be focusing on the active ingredient?
2: Yeah, I think so. So, I think we're living in a great era where we are spoiled by choice. People are really into skincare now more than they've ever been before. And uh, I think people are becoming more and more aware of ingredients. Whereas before you might just be aware of a brand and be like, oh, I'm going to buy this fancy brand without really knowing what you're getting, just trusting that the brand was giving you what the best thing out there was. But now people are much more aware of, oh, I need to look for this ingredient. Mm -hmm. And certain cosmetic companies have popularized, you know, knowledge of ingredients because for example, things like the ordinary, they just tell you what the ingredient is on the label. So those are kind of single or double ingredient labels. So people are more familiar with like, oh, niacinamide, I've heard of that before, or oh, ceramides, or oh, vitamin C. So I think people are becoming empowered to make choices uh, that benefit their specific skin issues. So I think you don't have to spend a fortune. There are lots of affordable skincare brands out there and products. I think you just need to kind of examine your skin type to see are you more oily? Or are you more dry? So that you know what kind of formula you're looking for, and then what your kind of goals are. If you have, you know, pretty good skin and you're just trying to maintain it, then you're looking at something like a vitamin C and something from the retinol family. Um, if you're having specific issues like acne or pigmentation, then you need to find targeted ingredients that work for those things more. So. There are options for you and you need to check in with your skin, like we said at the beginning, every so often to see if those needs change. Fantastic.
1: Really important to know that, you know, every day you age 24 hours, Mm -hmm. regardless of what you're putting on your face. And there is only so much that products can do for you. Uh, I think it's all about accepting how we all look. And, you know, we buy these cosmetic products because we want to look the best version of us. We don't want to look like Vera Wang because that's not going to happen. <laughs> but instead, well, you, just you want... never know. You don't know. We're <laughs> taking want... it really hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we just want to look the best version of ourselves. And that's what the cosmetic and us dermatologists are here to help you achieve.
2: That's absolutely right. There's not, there's no miracle elixir. It's looking the best you can for your age and also just taking pleasure out of the ritual mm. and process that cosmetics involve, you know? Yeah. Even if it's not doing as much as you think it is, which it probably isn't, to be honest with you, at least, you know, you're kind of enjoying the process of self-care. Like, mm, I definitely. use stuff as a dermatologist with, you know, a higher level mattress education in skincare. I use stuff that I know doesn't, work sometimes but you know i get sold i'm like oh the packaging is cute or uh someone i like on instagram used it i'm gonna try it even though i know it probably doesn't work but you know you have to find a balance find out what does work and i i always definitely in my routine use the things i know work and then after that if i have some extra money or if i'm feeling frivolous or if i have time then i'll throw in something just for fun and fancy love
1: that Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been lovely talking to you.
0: Thank you. It's so nice to be with you guys and chat about something I love so much. I know. And wh- So we've already mentioned at the, at the start where people can find you, but is, um, is there anything you want to shout out there to the listeners? No, I love
2: hearing questions and uh, I love hearing comments from people. So you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Soma Skin. That's dr.somaskin. And I would love to see what skincare works for you or what suggestions you have or what you want me to look into the evidence for.
1: Amazing. Real. Well, right. See you later. Bye. Hello and welcome back to the end of the podcast where we talk about lessons we've learned. Ashley. <laughs> What have you learned?
0: I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I quite like this. End of the podcast.
1: <laughs> we need its sound ding-dong.
0: We need we need an intro. <laughs> uh,
1: so, what did you learn, Ashley?
0: Um, well, I learned that you're gonna age better than me.
1: Naturally, I think I already am. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> My parents will love this. Um Christina was great, really enjoyed it, and I think what she did really, really well was explain, you know, the, the process of aging. So an aged appearance being caused by you know our our bones our skull that shrinks the migration of fat pads which kind of you know loses that volume over time we talked about the intrinsic factors so your genetics and then extrinsic ex god extrinsic factors <laughs> external factors there we go um like the environment and the lifestyle but um yeah, I mean, we had so many questions prepared for her today, didn't we? Also, learned a lot about the different uh, topicals on the market, so the vitamin C, the retinols. It's still a little bit confusing in terms of, you know, how to know which one's better, your retinoids versus your retinol, your retinol. So we're gonna do a little post on that on Instagram, so it's very clear and easy to follow.
1: Yeah, as in I've been, we both work in dermatology and still retinoids, retinales, ret- yeah. <laughs> retin, blah, blah. Yeah, blah. I know.
0: And then, you know, how they can cause peeling and all of this as well, so you need to go up in stages. Yeah. Um. So it, it, it is, it's, it's, diff- it's a little bit confusing. And then, what, what about you?
1: I think my take home from our conversations actually was just about the positive viewing po- aging in a positive light you know there's only so much so much you know over the counter pharmaceuticals can get you and even non-surgical things and obviously surgery is an option for some uh, if you're not comfortable going down that route or don't want to do that that's fine it's just mainly about being positive about the aging process mm-hmm. and not necessarily aging gracefully i don't like that phrase but aging as best as you can, and what makes you happy. I yeah. think that's important. Exactly. A very smushy dovey answer Noted. there for you, actually. <laughs> and yeah. self care, like. Yes.
0: You know, if you want to spend some money on like a nice treatment or facial or massage, and you have it spare, do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know? Great. I think that's covered everything.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um,
1: Don't forget to like and follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, Dermatology UK, the podcast and on Twitter, sorry, Derm UK podcast. And until next time, guys, stay safe. Bye. Bye.